What up, y'all? What up, what up, what up? Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the lounge or to the lounge for the first time. It is I, Mortimer Main, your friend, everybody. MC, DJ, and selector. And we're going to be talking about music up in here today because we're still in the bees and we got a good one for you today. But first, we're going to talk movies real quick. This morning, while we were setting up the joint, we watched the movie 13 from 2003. Evan Rachel Wood. Um, gotta love a good coming of age story set somewhere in Los Angeles. Got involved, uh, you know, with a lot of um, <laughs> unsavory things at an early age, which I think a lot of us out there can identify with. Certainly myself, like the movie, gonna give it a recommend. I've seen it before, but I uh, we thought we'd give it uh, another another watch, and it still stands up about 20 years later. So, good story about uh, you know the uh, health halcyon days of youth. Give it a watch if you like. But today, enough about movies. We're talking about music. We are talking about Blondie again. Yes, yes, right on. Love Blondie. Love talking about Blondie the band. Love listening to the music. So today, the album that I pulled out is Parallel Line, 1978. I mentioned this album in in part one of Blondie. Uh, because it's 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 quite it's a watershed moment in their career actually so it'll be interesting to talk about it today their third studio album released on chrysalis records it proved to be their their breakout album in the u.s as we discussed earlier now before we get into it this album had 12 tracks on it okay six of them were released as singles so that kind of gives you an idea of how massive it was. And if you don't understand that, let me just go through quickly what a single is and how the record industry had worked at that time. Okay, so we listened to vinyl here because that was one of the first uh, mediums that music could be recorded on and passed around, okay? The first songs that were out there available purchase were in in small little disc formats that usually only had one song on each side. These were called singles because you would get a single song. You would get that single song that the record company who paid for the recording to happen and wants to sell these records, you would get that single song that the record company thought is the best one and thought that it would sell the most. Now, you would also get the B-side, which was just extra space on on the other uh, side of the record, which sometimes, you know, could also house a hit. So, albums as we know them, uh, you know, 12, like more than just two song records, they they were um, being recorded, I think, since the late 1940s. Most of it was uh, classical music. It wasn't really a big deal for a band to to come out with one you know piece of vinyl that had 10 songs on it, because they were more focused on you know getting those singles out and getting those played on the radio where people would there hear hear them and say oh man how do i get my hands on a physical copy of this one song so they would go and buy the single 
Apparently, and uh, I, I don't have a good source for this, but generally accepted knowledge is that in the 60s with the Beatles, bands like the Beatles who were ridiculously successful with every almost every single song they recorded as a single, so the singles were just flying off the shelves, right? But as they emerged and other bands realized you it, it was much more fulfilling to create an album full of songs that the album would actually have a, a narrative itself and, and tell a greater story so when the beatles started to release their studio albums apparently that signaled the shift a major shift from the music people who were buying the music which is basically the youth from singles one-off singles to full albums and that trend continued for a long time right up until basically the emergence of mp3s and digital music nevertheless though singles were still a thing even while full-length lps with you know the record grooves really close together uh to give you be able to give you all that music packed into the one disc they were still being sold they were still popular but the singles were still being sold as well because sometimes you didn't want to spend that you know five times the price on an album when you only really wanted that one song okay so here we go when an album was being produced the record company would pick that one song that they thought was the best and they would promote it they would pay the radio stations to play the song and then they would produce the singles but if that album if the band was really good and it had more than one good song the record company would would try to promote that one as well so sometimes you would have a second a third a fourth single being released so every time a new single is out there that song's playing on the radio and the consumers are like oh wow another good song off that album i've already bought the first three singles but i really like the fourth single maybe i should just break down and buy the full album right now uh, so that would happen a lot so you understand why it's you know important for a record company to identify the best songs that they want to promote because it's really important you know when you when you care about sales and making money which of course is all the record company cares about okay back on track with my point this record parallel lines had six singles out of only 12 tracks so that's a ridiculous amount of promotion and success where every single that's released to the radio is probably going to sell, you know, another 100,000 copies of the full album. The singles were, and you probably recognize some of these names of tracks. Picture this, I'm going to love you too. Hanging on the telephone, Heart of Glass, which was the major breakout uh, disco hit, Sunday Girl and One Way or Another. Now, we talked a little bit about how the band's first two albums were popular in the UK and Australia and Canada, but didn't really break out on the US market until this album hit the streets. Because America at that time was so much more enamored with the disco sound uh, and the pop sound that this album brought to the table, as opposed to their earlier sound, which was characterized as punk and new wave, as discussed. So, 
I learned today the big reason, the big shift was that Blondie as a band brought in a new producer for this record. They parted ways with the guy that was with them for the first two albums. I think his name was Gottlieb or something, American dude. And they linked up with this dude, Australian dude named Chapman, who was um, responsible for basically changing the sound. But once again, record companies love this guy. Artists love these guy, this guy because he's a real pro. But he said himself, uh, in referring to this record, I made a pop album, okay? How does a producer come out and say, I made something, you know, totally discounting the band and the songwriting, but that's the way it is. So they brought in the new guy and he changed the sound. Uh, I'll just explain it as so from raw to the cooked, you know, to the to the finely tuned all aspects of production gone over, you know, the image of the band, the the way the cover art looks, all these things are now um, presentable and ready for the mass market, I think. So, in my opinion, this album is pretty good. It, it's not the greatest uh, Blondie one that I have, as I prefer the Raw, okay? Give me the Raw in this case, in this band. Because you know what? Raw, I'm going to give it to you with lots of trivia, okay? So, let's listen to my favorite song from this album. Track one, side one, hanging on the telephone. This is a love song, baby.
Ah, yeah, what a great track. Great message. Don't jerk me around. If you want to be with me, let's be together. If not, fuck off. <laughs> Alright, let me just hit you with a couple of facts here. This record was the best-selling album in the UK in 1979. Here's a fun fact about Debbie Harry. Debbie Harry was born Angela Trimblo, adopted at three months of age, um, and it, born in Miami, Florida, as noted by Vixen earlier fan mail. Deborah then moved to New, or sorry, Angela then moved to New Jersey with her new adoptive parents, the Harrys, where they renamed her Deborah from Angela. Here's a horrible fact: according to Debbie in her uh, autobiography. Face it, in the 1970s, she was raped at knife point during the burglary of a home she shared with her partner and later Blondie guitarist Chris Stein. How horrible is that? I did not know that. God damn the things people are capable of. But, uh, geez, just goes to show what a survivor Debbie is, right? Holy smokes. So let's dedicate this episode to uh, Debbie right now. Another crazy thing that uh, she said in her book is that, again, in the 1970s, when, like, man, New York City and crime were just going crazy, right? If, if you look uh, back at that time, from what I've learned, dangerous streets, much more dangerous than they are now. Apparently, Debbie says that she was once lured into a car by serial killer Ted Bundy, but managed to escape. Uh, which is which is a crazy which is crazy if it did happen according to other sources lots of people said you know they had been lured into Ted Bundy's car but then the FBI was like well you're saying this happened in New York but actually according to our whatever information he was in Florida at the time or something like that right but what if she was right <laughs> what if that was Ted Bundy's car that she got into what if Ted Bundy had killed Debbie Harry in the 70s and Blondie never existed. Ain't that some shit, right? You know what? I think I'm almost done talking about this record today, but I just want to I want to bring up the cover art cuz this another classic example of classic Blondie cover art, the Parallel Lines uh, record check out the instagram page to see it it's pretty cool because you have the five male members of the band all dressed in black and white suits which match the black and white background which kind of looks like a piano keyboard and debbie standing there in front of all of them wearing a white dress with her hands defiantly on her hips the only one not smiling she looks pretty cool she's clearly the leader of the band funny thing for me is all these people are like the exact same height <laughs> there's six people on this album cover and they all must stand about like five foot five or something i don't know check it out it's crazy last thing i want to say about this album is that i don't remember where i bought this but somebody has written the name wayne on it and it looks an awful lot like the carol handwriting from our, our carol punk legend uh, record collector so we got our hands upon her collection so i wonder if this is carol's boyfriend wayne's record or, or brother's wayne's record or something because it looks an awful lot like the same writing anyways Go check out this album, let's do it in full, check out the artwork, appreciate the type of stuff that was coming out in 1979 and where people were at with their musical preferences at that time. 
Okie dokie. I think, what am I gonna do? You know what? You know what? I'm not even sure. I got the whole day ahead of me. We got the whole evening. We've already done a lot, but we're gonna get some more popping off here. So, enjoy the rest of your day, my friends. Keep doing what you're doing as long as it's making you happy, right? Much love going out to all. Just love. Remember, each one teach one, baby. And I will see you tomorrow. Burr.